Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins. We said we were going to try and get an episode out this week, even though there was international football, so that's exactly what we're going to do. We are going to look at the expectations for the rest of the season. Shouldn't be too long of an episode, to be honest, folks. So all we're going to do is we're going to look at certain teams and, and see what sort of expectations they have for the rest of the season and whether it's achievable for those sides or not. So I think first and foremost, lads, probably the top two teams to talk about really is Arsenal and Man City both fighting for the, the Premier League. Um, Arsenal now out of the FA Cup, out of the Europa League. Um, City probably still fighting on the Champions League front. But what, what do you think, lads, then? They're, they're definitely the two that are leading the charge in the Premier League at the minute. Yeah, have to be. Have to be. Arsenal front and centre. I, I honestly thought they would have crumbled, but now. Um, but no, they're looking really, really good week after week. Picked up six wins on the bounce now after we were talking about them struggling a wee bit. Um, so it's good. It, it's good for them. The momentum's back. Um, they've got Real Jesus and that back. So they're they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with in, towards the end of the season. But look, City's on their coattails. I know there's a, a few points in yet, but they're still to play each other. Some big games coming up and it, it'll be an interesting few weeks ahead. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with Oren. Um With Arsenal especially, Looking at their fixtures, uh, they have tough games coming up in April. They have Liverpool, West Ham away, City away and Chelsea away. And then I think they play Newcastle as well away. So there's tough games coming up, but they do have a wee bit of a gap there. And as Owen says, they've won six in a row. They're very good at home. They get goals from everywhere. They have players like Saka, Odegaard. And I can believe Martinelli has like 13 goals this season. He's been very good. You know, even from midfield, like Saka scored like four goals or something. Um, and they're so good at the back as well. They have the most clean sheets. Uh, so it's going to be tough for City to catch up. But if there's one team you would never rule out, it would be Man City. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Connor. to be honest. I think if it was anybody else in this situation that was sitting in second, you know, you might have a little bit of doubt about them. But just when it comes to City, like we've said it so many times on the podcast, that they can just put a run of wins together um, that other sides in the league just can't do. And I know at the minute they are struggling to do that. But for these last, say, 10, 11 games of the season, you wouldn't be shocked if City went on and won all 11 or won all 10. Um, I would say definitely, though, Arsenal are in the driving seat. They have been the most, they play the most attractive football. They've been the best side in the league to watch this year. No doubt about it. Um, I think maybe the injury to Saliba over these next few weeks, though, is going to be interesting to see, especially just how Arsenal deal with it. And I think, Orn, you were saying to me the other day, is Tommy Asu out for the rest of the season as well? Aye, Tommy Asu's out for the rest of the season. So, like, one way you could have looked at that was maybe Ben White slotted back into centre-back with Tommy Asu then going out to right-back. And they've sold Cedric Suarez to... Well, I say sold, sorry, the loan Cedric to Fulham. So there you're down another right-back as well. So I am interested to see how they deal with this. Um, does Holding come in and start at centre-back? Because although I don't think Holding's a necessarily a bad player, he's definitely a massive downgrade on Saliba. Like. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. He did play okay in the Europa League game, but that's not really a true test. You know, the pressure's going to be on. And if Saliba's missing, who has been one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League, it's going to be a huge miss. And with them tough games coming up, it could be a nightmare. The only positive for Arsenal is they can just focus on the Premier League. City still have the Champions League and the FA Cup. So, you know, there's so many games. They do have a stronger squad, maybe, but I still think uh, Arsenal, with that gap, with that lead, uh, are going to win the league. Yeah, look, I, I I would have to be inclined to agree. Boys, in all seriousness, like in terms of these expectations then for the rest of the season and, and going into next season then, 
is there anywhere in particular that stands out for you that you feel like Arsenal would maybe need to, you know, consolidate, go into the market and buy? Because if this side ultimately does go and win the league, they are still a strong start in 11. And they do have players there that are going to be around for quite a few years, to be honest. So is there anywhere in that team you sort of look at and think to yourself, right, well, I think they could strengthen here? To be honest, lad, I think they could strengthen all over the pitch. I know that probably sounds stupid, but if if look if they win the season this year, if they win the league this year, unbelievable. That's fantastic for them, first time in years and years. But if they want to continue competing for the league like Manchester City do every single year, they need to have world class players in every single position. At least mm-hmm. two world class players in every single position, because that's what makes a great team. That's what that's the that's the stepping stone from going to a good team who can win the league one season to going to a great team who's competing for the, the top prize every single year, competing in the Champions League every single year, because that's what Arsenal's goal next year will be. They'll be looking to not only solidify their place in the in the top four again, like they were on, under Arsene Wenger, and competing for titles again, they need to be competing for Champions Leagues again, much like Manchester City are at the minute. So... To do that, realistically, they need to be strengthening everywhere because we've seen mm-hmm. now, we've just talked about with Saliba's injury, the lack of depth that they potentially do have. And I'm not saying that there's not players that can come in and do a job, but they need to have world-class players to come in who are able to completely revitalize. Or, or well, not exactly reinvent the wheel, but to keep that momentum going because, yes, Rob Holden could come in now and he might do a job, but it's not going to be as strong a defence, obviously, as if Saliba was there. So they need somebody of the same stature who can come in with the same training and just seamlessly fit into the team in every position. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially. I think they need a, a right-back, um, not even because Tommy Asu's injured, but I think I think he hasn't been as good this season, Tommy Asu. Ben White's done well defensively, but I think they need a more attacking right-back, probably another midfielder. Uh, but with Arsenal, as Zorn said, they're... Arteta's kind of trying to do that pep you know, strategy of having two players in every position because when you have the Champions League next year in the Premier League and you have high expectations, you need players in them positions uh, just in case of injury. Um, but they'll be able to attract these players because they're going to have Champions League next year. And you know, Arteta's brought a positivity back to the club. So you know, we've even seen it with Trossard there. He, he, he just wanted to go to Arsenal because yep. it's such an attractive option. No, agreed, lad. Agreed. And look, realistically then, lads, I'll have to put you on the spot. Like I'm saying, or I've stuck with Arsenal all season, and I'm going to finish with them. I think Arsenal will win the Premier League this year. What do you guys think? Final prediction. Yeah, I've went with Arsenal all year, and I'm going to stick with it. Well, since they've actually got good, but I'm going to stick with Arsenal. Um, I'm going to go against the grain, to be honest. Um, I do think Manchester City's going to win the league again. Just you, just feel like they're going to put a wee string of wins together, do you, Orn? I do. I just think that this, like I've said it all season, and I keep changing and him and ham, him and han about Arsenal because they've been brilliant. But I just feel Manchester City. It depends who wins the game. The game between City and Arsenal. I think whoever wins out there has the edge in their opponent, um, and I think Manchester City will do more with with a win there than Arsenal will if they ultimately lose. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, guys, going to move it on to the team in third then, of course, which is our Manchester United. Um, so far, so good. Um, I would say it's been a it's been a relatively enjoyable season, to be honest, as a United fan. So I think expectations for the rest of the season then, lads. We're still in the FA Cup. 
we're probably the strongest team in the Europa League as well. Um, so what do you guys think? Do you think another trophy then could potentially be on the cards for this season? Yeah, what I think so. Like what was the story? Yeah. What? Sorry, Orn? What did you say? Sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, like, do you think then that, like, another another trophy is potentially on the cards for United this season? Oh, yeah, 100%. At least one. I genuinely think we're going to win the Europa League and the FA Cup. I don't yeah, think I that's would, that I, bold of a claim, to be honest. Like, Yeah. No, I would agree with that because especially the Europa League would put the best team out and I'd say the second best team was Arsenal. And we're the, probably the strongest team left. So that's a given. And then the FA Cup will be difficult because you're going to have to beat Brighton and Man City, probably, who are two very good teams. But, you know... Uh, United have been very good this season and I think if we could just keep Champions League football if we can get Champions League football next year and then another trophy it'd be an unbelievable season well that's it I mean in terms of the league position then like I always sort of I always sort of thought to myself you know especially whenever we um, started the podcast I always felt like either one of City and Arsenal would slip up and I actually thought United might have a shot of finishing second in the league but I think as the weeks have sort of gone on now and like United have sort of had a few poor results now in the last few weeks. Um, results that probably didn't do them any favour, to be honest. But I think third would be third and, you know, the potential of having maybe two trophies. Like, that's that's a really good first season for Ten Hag, like, isn't it? Yeah, it would be a fantastic season for him. An absolutely fantastic season. Especially, I think a lot of people wrote off Eric Ten Hag after the first two results. Um, even Man United fans, you see social media, it can be such a daunting place when you're a football fan and you know that yourselves boys you see everything on it like yeah um but yeah i think them first two results people kind of wrote off erecton hag and then he got this carabay cup win look uh, the likes of roy Keane and other pundits are starting to criticize united again and saying that some of the bad habits are coming back in um but ultimately i think that's just because we're playing so many games and the players need a rest um and we've seen with erecton hag he trusts his first eleven. You don't really see many rotations in the squad unless it's injury based or suspension based with Casemiro fucking getting a rake yard all the time. But yeah. <laughs> he seen he trusts he trusts his first eleven. So I think that's another thing for United. They need to strengthen in quite a lot of positions uh, in the summer. Um and yeah, if they get more than one trophy, like once one trophy this season was always going to be a successful, successful season. But if if they get more than one trophy, it's it's an absolutely fantastic first season for Erkton Hag. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we United definitely need to strengthen the striker, and if we've, we've all yeah. said it, because Rashford has scored a lot of goals this season. But then you look at you know Weghorst. I don't like to slag him too much, but eight games, zero goals in the Premier League. You know Martial can't stay fit. If he stays fit, he's good. Actually, six. He's only played six Premier League games this season which is yeah. crazy. He's three goals like in them, but he just can't stay fit. You know, Bruno's been brilliant this season, but we need um, probably probably a striker, maybe another. I know we do have a lot of wingers, but like we've only scored 41 goals in the Premier League this season. Like that's that's not great. I think it's the seventh most. Um, so we definitely need to score more goals. And I think a player like Harry Kane or someone like that would, would be huge for Man United. 
Well, look, that's that's the debate that rages at the minute. You know, it's very much there's there's three strikers that are touted um to be on Man United's sort of hit list, if you will, over the summer, and the three names that are being linked are Harry Kane, uh, Victor Osimhen, and Gonzalo Ramos of uh, Benfica. They're the three that look the most likely to happen. Um, obviously, Kean is going to cost you a hundred million. Ozaman's probably going to cost you a hundred million, and I think Ramos. I think I read the other day Ramos has a release clause of seventy million. Um, so I'd look at again, boys. I'll just put you on the spot. If if you wanted one out of those three, who are you looking at the most? Who who excites you the most? Victor Ozaman. Victor Ozaman. He is the best. He's the best available on the market these days as well. Um, he's guaranteed goals. He's a young man. Um, and I think he'd fit absolutely phenomenally into Eric Ten Hag's style of play. As much as I would love the likes of Gunkelo Ramos or Harry Kane or whatever, I just think Victor Ozeman, you're going to pay a, a big price tag for him, of course, but you're going to get quality. You're guaranteed quality. And I think by the time he does leave, I, I do think he's going to leave in the summer no matter where he goes. And I think when he is leaving, he's going to be a Champions League winner. And I right. think he's going to be one of the best strikers in the world because he he already is, but he's only going to move up in the up in the rankings because he's a phenomenal young prospect. And under the talent and nurture of Eric Ten Hag, with some senior players at the club as well, with like Rashford's one of our senior players at the minute, and he's a prime mm-hmm. example of the coaching that Eric Ten Hag can give you. And if them two were in the same team together, that pace, that dynamic, that finishing ability would be scary, but not for us. No, I, I would agree. I would go Osman as well. I just think I've seen him play for Napoli a few times this season and just an unbelievable striker. Not even, you know, his hold up play is good, but really he's superb as well. Like even for Napoli as well, he could be a Champions League winner this year because mm-hmm. Napoli are a very, very good team. Uh, and if they're like a similar price, he's so much, he's younger than Harry Kane. I know Harry Kane is been unbelievable in the Premier League the last seven, eight years, six, seven years. Um, but Osman is, is exciting and he's young. And I agree with the one under 10 Hag. He, he's just going to keep improving. Yeah, no, look, I, I completely understand where both of you are coming from. I really, really do. I'm going to throw a bit of a spanner in the works, as you probably know. Um, look, my, my pick would be Harry Kane. Um, I think, don't get me wrong, I know 30, a lot of people look at it and go 30, uh, how many years realistically do you get out of, out of a 30 year old? But the way I look at it is I, I always like sort of the Premier League proven and they don't get much more Premier League proven than Harry Kane. And to me personally, I feel like I I really love awesome and I, I do love watching them, but I loved watching Anthony at Ajax as well. And I feel like this season has been a bit of a bedding in season for Anthony. And personally, I would like to challenge for the title next year. And I think if you got Kane, you definitely challenge for the title next season. I think with Osman, maybe you have to take a year to bed him in. Um, because like as we know, how many signings have United made that we thought was going to come in and make the instant impact and then it's actually taken a wee bit of time to get right. Same with Ramos. Ramos is a very, very good striker as well. I, I think out of the three of them, he's probably the everybody's third choice. I, I will I would imagine so anyway. Um but for me, I, I just think there's a lot to be said about Premier League proven. And I do think if Kane comes in next season I think a lot of people will be putting United down as maybe favourites to, to win the title. Um, 
that's just my two pence on it anyway. But look, I'm going to move it on to the, the battle for fourth, lads, because there is a few teams that are involved in this battle for fourth. And I'm just going to lump all these sort of teams in together and we can have a bit of a chat about them and, and see which of them we, we think is most likely to to sort of make that fourth place. So currently at the minute we have um, Spurs. They have played 28. They're on 49 points. We have Newcastle after that then. They've played 26 and are on 47 points. After that then, uh, we have uh, Liverpool who have played 26 and are on 42. And then after that then, in seventh, we have Brighton who have played 25 and have 42. So there are a few teams within that mix that look like they could, you know, really challenge for that that top four spot. So, Orin, I'll, I'll come to you first then just with this one. Who... Out of those four teams, do you think is the most likely then to finish in that that fourth spot and gain Champions League football next season? It's difficult. It is difficult because we've been making different predictions all through the all throughout we've, since we started this podcast, um, and we've always kind of been saying it Newcastle or, or Spurs. Um, I do think Spurs are going to struggle now without a manager. Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna rule them out, but. Look, not to say it wouldn't surprise me if they did get top four. Like, it definitely wouldn't surprise me. But just because they don't have a manager until the end of the season, I am just going to rule them out of it. Um, Newcastle have picked up a couple of few wins there in the last few weeks, um, getting on into a decent run of form. Um, so it's good to see that. Again, Eddie Howe's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And if yeah. they get European football of any sort, which looks kind of guaranteed at the minute, it, it was going to be a successful season for Newcastle. So he's ex- he's exceeding expectations at the minute. Um, and they definitely have a realistic prospect of getting top four, especially if they keep on this momentum. It'll be a huge game whenever United play Newcastle in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got, um, as you say, Liverpool. Liverpool picked up a couple of points, but again, two. Uh, disappointing results as well. Uh, just seems to be Liverpool's season, and if it keeps being in that trajectory where they pick up a win and then drop points or whatever, I think they'll struggle to get top four because all these other teams are around them and they're all picking up points. My heart really, really wants Brighton to get top four. I would love to see Brighton and Hove Albion in the Champions League. It is my prediction, which is... I don't know if it's just based on, like, I have a genuine like for the team. Um, I do think they'll finish top four because I just think they've got that world-class manager who just seems to be getting the best out of his players. And I think the boom's kind of there for Brighton at the moment. Their fans are always behind them. Like, they always have a good away support and all. And um, when they've got young fellas like Matoma and then the World Cup winner McAllister, like, they've got key players there that if, if they stay fit, we'll see them through the season. Because even when Brighton were towards the bottom of the league, they were still playing good football and they were always a tough, tough competitor to face. Um, so my prediction is going to be Brighton, but I'm not sure if that's realistic I, I'm not sure if it's based on my genuine like for the club or whether it's based on me actually thinking. But yeah, I'm going to go Brighton anyway. That's. Do you know what? It's it, it's not. I would say that's bold, but it's not even bold because Brighton have been playing some really really good football this season, and I think my only uh, like sort of qualm with Brighton is just that. They do drop silly points, to be fair. Like, they had that sort of string where they had, I think it was four or five draws in a row, and you were kind of looking at those games going, God, you know, in at least three of those games, they probably should have pulled through and and won the game. Um, 
I think it would be a fairy tale story. And especially with this Premier League season in particular, I would never say never because it just seems as though, like, if we look at the season Fulham's having and the season that Brentford are having, and, you know, you look at Chelsea all the way down there in, in 10th, you know, you're looking at it and you're going, anything can happen, really. And I, yeah. I don't know, I, I could see Brighton doing it, but I do think they drop silly points. Um, no, I agree. I agree. Connor, look, I'll come to you with this one then. Um, Liverpool, they probably have the most experience out of all those teams um, in that sort of crop of, of those four teams there. Do you give them any sort of chance of, of making the top four this season? Uh, no, I give them no chance. I honestly, I think they're just, they've just been horrible this season and the fixtures that have come up are just very tough to play City, Chelsea and Arsenal in their next three games. They might win one of those. Um, away from home, they're brutal. They only have three wins this season away from home. Their home form is mm-hmm. pretty good, but with the teams around them, especially, I think, Newcastle, I did go with Spurs originally uh, for my top four prediction, but now they have no manager and they concede so many goals. Like, they conceded three goals to Southampton who don't score goals. So, I would worry about Spurs unless their manager kind of t- changes the tactics. I know when Conte was away, he actually, he actually done all right for them, but... I, I don't think I don't think uh, Liverpool have a chance to be honest. I just think they've been very poor this season. They concede a lot of goals. They don't score enough goals. They're terrible away from home. So I, I give them no chance. No, look, I, I think that's fair enough. And to be fair, any any um, Liverpool supporters I've been speaking to, and especially the likes of like Husty and stuff, like Husty hasn't really given Liverpool much of a chance this season. He's he's actually quite negative at the minute. He 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 says he thinks Liverpool will be lucky to get any sort of European football this year, um, because they just have been so inconsistent. Like when we think about it, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we did our episode after the the, the beat United, and then they went out the following week and like. Right, or Bournemouth embarrassed them, and it's it's just they're, they're they've been in a strange strange sort of trajectory this season. It's it's weird to watch, but I think lads, out of those four teams, that the the big debate at the minute is then who comes into Spurs next season. You know, it's it's tough because I know a lot of Spurs fans will be happy to see Mauricio Pochettino come back. I think if Pochettino did come back, they would sort of go back to um almost being in like a rebuild phase and. But they would definitely play a lot brighter football. But now, obviously, mm-hmm. Julian Nagelsmann has been sacked by uh, Bayern Munich. And yeah. he's actually coming in at the bookies' favourites at the minute. So, Oren, out, out of those two, really, I know that they've said they're going to have a short list of five candidates. But they seem to be the two that are most talked about at the minute. Who do you yeah. think is more, more likely to, to end up at Tottenham then? It's, that's, that's a really tough question. Because more likely... I think most likely is going to be Mauricio Pochettino going back just because he knows the club, he loves the club as we've talked about. However, I do think Tottenham would miss a trick and be stupid not to go for Julian Nagelsmann. Like, this is a a manager who's... Look, he's been sacked by Bayern Munich out of the blue. Don't get me wrong, they're they're sitting second in the league, but they've still everything to fight for. They're like one point off Borussia Dortmund. They're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They're into the semifinals of the, the... uh, DFB Pokal Cup as well. Like they still had a treble there to win. Realistically, um, mm-hmm. like, he's one of the best young prospects in 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 terms of managers in the world. And like, what is he thirty six or something? Yeah, he showed what he young. can do with RB Leipzig. Like he got them to being a stalwart Champions League team, competing in the Champions League as well. To be fair. And I just, 
like I don't, I don't understand the second. I understand it from the point of view that they probably want Tuchel in because Tuchel can fucking he can win trophies. He knows how to win, um, and he might be able to change the fortunes a wee bit. But I would, I just think Spurs would be missing a trick if they didn't go for Julian Nagelsmann for the sake of going back into their comfort zone with with Mauricio Pochettino. And I know that sounds pretty negative because I'm saying about comfort zone. Like Mauricio Pochettino will get them back into the top four. 100% and he'll 100% get them back to a stage where they will be somewhat competing for trophies but I think they need to take a, a leaf out of a leaf out of Manchester United's book for this appointment like we went with Eric Ten Hag when we had the choice of well realistically at the time we had the choice of Antonio Conte and I just think they need to go for that kind of out there manager and try it if it doesn't work Right, sack him and go and get Pochettino because he's going to be fucking available anyway. Yeah. Look, they may as well try it. They may as well try it, in my opinion, but most likely I do think it'll be Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah, look, I my, my bet would be Pochettino, to be honest. I think that's who they're going to go for. Connor, obviously Conte relieved of his duties earlier this week um, on, on Sunday. Uh, he was he was sacked or, well, left by mutual agreement. What, what did you make of that then? Because obviously, look, we have been quite wish-washy about Spurs this season and at times we have put the blame on the manager. Um, but now that his reign has come to an end and you can look at the reign as a whole, what do you make of Conte's time at Spurs then? Um. Yeah, he put them in a position where he had to be sacked, really, with his comments after the game. Uh, they did get Champions League football in his first season, but then to get knocked out in the last 16 was disappointing. He didn't really bring the club forward. They weren't going very well this season, really. Um, conceding a lot of goals, playing some poor football. That's what Spurs fans, you guys, you would know better than me, Connor. but like Spurs fans have been really disappointed in the way they play. Like Under Potts, they were so exciting. Um, and now they just play this defensive football really bad to watch you know they concede a lot of goals even with this defensive football which makes very little sense Harry Kane kind of has been carrying them this season which like he scored 21 goals um, and has been superb but I think I think Conte had to go I think he probably would have got to the end of the season if he hadn't came out with his comments and they would have had a better chance at top four uh, but I think now it's better for Spurs probably just to, you know they've got this new interim manager in and then they're going to either choose Poch or you know the Nagelsmann um, but like, I agree. I agree with Orn as well. I think they should go for something different because, like, with Potch, you know, there's no guarantee that uh, he's going to come back and change everything. Like, with Potch as well, like, he d- he didn't really he done really well to be fair, especially with what he had. But then he went to PSG and he he didn't succeed at all. Um, mm-hmm. with with this different manager who only lost like two games for Bayern since September. Like, you know, it wasn't as if he was a per- he's a poor manager. Um, mm-hmm. I think. They just wanted Tuchel in because maybe, you know, they have a better chance of winning the Champions League and there was talk of Tuchel maybe going to Tottenham or going to Real Madrid. But I think I think Tottenham would miss a good opportunity to get a good young manager in. I think he's like 35 um, and he has proven himself already at Orbe and at Bayern. No, I, look, I, I think that's totally fair enough. Look, I think whoever Spurs end up with next season... I think the fans will just be happy to have a manager that plays um, attacking football, really. And look, we all highlighted that there. The football Spurs played there under Conte was it, it was re- regressive more than anything. It's almost as if that sort of template of the attacking football that Pochettino had laid down at Spurs was completely gone against um, with Mourinho and then 
even more gone against with with Conte. Um, I wrote an article about Conte's uh, retrospective time at Tottenham there. So if you haven't, please go and check it out on the Bottom Bins WordPress and you can get my full in-depth analysis on Conte's tumultuous period at Spurs, shall we say. Look, boys, I'm going to move it on to the next four teams then. These are the guys who are going to be fighting sort of for those, maybe that conference league spot. Um, We have Brentford, Fulham, Chelsea, Aston Villa. Brentford, they're out in front at the minute. They're th- they've all played 27 games. Brentford are, are out in front at the minute. They're on 42 points. Fulham have 39. Chelsea have 38. And Aston Villa have 38 then. Still a good few games to go for those guys. Still 11 games to play. So really all to play for in that Europa Europa Conference League spot. Um, Oren, coming to you first. Out of those four teams then, who are you looking at to possibly push on and, and clinch that, that final European spot then? I would be very, very surprised if um, if Aston Villa got it, to be 100% honest. Um, so I'm going to rule them out. I think you're talking Fulham and Brentford. Um, like, their seasons this year have been immaculate. Um, really does depend on Ivan Tony's situation, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, Thomas Frank knows what he's doing with the team, and it's just difficult. Like, as we've said, this season has been crazy. Like, you're talking about Liverpool fighting for top four. You're talking about Chelsea nowhere near European competition. Like, that is madness. Yeah. Uh, And you're talking about, like, Fulham being promoted and being in the European contention. Like, that's insane. Um, But, yeah, for me, it has to be Brentford. Brentford, yeah. Look, Brentford have, have had a stellar campaign, no no doubt about it. But Connor, look, again, coming to, to Fulham then, obviously, as Oren said, newly promoted, just come up um, from the championship, moved away from the model that they did a couple of seasons ago where, you know, they did buy quite a few players and it ended up sort of blowing up in their face. But now the recruitment has been a lot smarter. Marco Silva has definitely looks to be proving himself in the Premier League now. I don't think anybody could call Marco Silva a bad manager now, to be honest. Um, so what's what's been your overall take on Fulham this season then? And and do you feel like they maybe have the edge over Brentford? Uh, I think Mitrovic will be a big miss because he is going to get a big ban. He might get 10 games. And if they're missing him, he, it could be huge because he scored 11 goals this season for them. Um, but in general, Fulham have been really impressive. I thought even when we played them in the FA Cup there, they, they were the better side for the first 60, 70 minutes until they got them red cards. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Played good football. You know, we've seen with uh, Polina coming back, he missed the prior two games. He is such a huge player for them and he is honestly one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. He def- This season, he's been superb. Willian's been really good. That was great recruitment to get Willian in, an experienced Premier League player and playing the football he was playing at Chelsea. Yeah, uh, your boy Solomon. Solomon, um, his he's he's come in and he's flying as well. Pereira's been very good for them this season. Harrison Reed, uh, at the back, Diop and uh, Reem, um, Tete as well. Tete has been very underrated as a right back. Anytime I've watched Fulham play, he has been brilliant attacking and defensively. Um, and also Leno and Nets has been brilliant. But I do think I would probably go for Brentford over Fulham. I I really rate Brentford and especially with Ivan Tony flying and you know defensively as well they're very good and Fulham I think Mitrovic is going to be a big mess for them um but I, I would de- I would go Brentford I've been more impressed with Brentford they've also got a bit of a are they on the same amount of points or uh, they're three behind at the minute they're three behind 
I, I don't think they'll catch Brentford. I, I think Brentford are just going to kick on. Like Brentford only lost five games this season. Like that's yeah, that's mental. Like that's the same as that's less than Man United. Like that's that's crazy. Um, but I, I would go with Brentford because anytime I've watched Brentford as well, they've they've had some they have some really good players. Like Ben Mee's been super superb or superb this season. Uh, your boy Jansen's been very good. Raya Pinnock, you know, boys like that. Like they play exceptional football. They're one of the best managers in the league. Uh, and I, I could see them probably, they could even push Brighton on Liverpool for sixth or seventh. Aye, for one of those sort of Europa League spots. I think so. then. Yeah, because yeah. they're on the same points as Brighton. I know Brighton have a game or two in hand, but, you know, in the Premier League, you can never guarantee anything, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's not guaranteed any points. Uh, no, look, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, look, it is, it's that, it's that battle of the strikers, really, isn't it? Like when we talk about, you know, those elite strikers that like they come from the teams in the top four or, or even the top six. Then just outside of that, you have Tony versus Mitrovic as like the, the other guys in the league, and they have been both phenomenal this season. I think like Tony's the third top scorer in in the league this year. He has been out of his skin, and the only thing that worries me about Fulham and Brentford is just look, Fulham's going to lose Mitrovic to a ban. Brentford are going to lose Tony at some stage to a ban as well. And I would just be afraid that that halts their season um a, a bit. But again, when, they ha- when they've been injured or they haven't played, they do seem to be able to adapt. The two managers know how to how to get around that situation. And it, it will, it'll be an interesting fight now towards the end of the season. And look, boys, we're, we're going to have to talk about them. We're going to have to talk about Chelsea because this has been undoubtedly one of their worst seasons in, in, in their Premier League history. Um honestly terrible and and when you look at it for the money that they've spent they have been left with egg on their face now Todd Bowley we kept joking about was playing football manager and it does just seem like that's exactly what he's doing we keep saying week in week out on this podcast that Graham Potter is on thin ice and we sitting here now can't understand how he's still in a job um there are managers that are that were performing well, I would say we're doing better jobs than them that have ended up seeing the chap. I'm looking particularly at Patrick Vieira. Um, look, Oren, I'll come to you with Chelsea. Um, how do you assess what's going on at Chelsea at the minute and what are their expectations even heading into towards the summer and, and heading into next season ultimately? Because you would have to say this season's a write-off, like, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would say it's a write-off. And to be honest... Just in my head, just thinking about it now, and I haven't really thought about it beforehand, but I it wouldn't shock me, boys, if like Spurs are waiting until the end of the season to, to hire a new manager. Would not shock mm-hmm. me if by the end of the season Julian Nagelsmann is already Chelsea's manager. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Mm, I, I, yeah, I don't think that that's that could be that could be something wouldn't that Chelsea could be looking at at the minute. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He he seems to fit their kind of profile as well. Uh, Todd Bowley's looking a young manager, and um, look, he's got more experience and stuff than, than Potter has, and it hasn't worked with Potter at the minute. Um, so look, it wouldn't shock me just before saying anything else. It would not shock me if by the end of the season, uh, Julian Nagelsmann is uh, Chelsea's new manager. Um, but look, yeah, it's it's a write off for them. Um, nine losses, eight draws, ten wins this year um it's not what we expect from chelsea we're always expecting chelsea to be in and around the top three top four um at least competing for it um still in the champions league but um now they've got real madrid so it's going to be tough for them to succeed in that as well um it, yeah it just hasn't worked for graham potter um they kind of took a off a bit 
too early for my liking as well, and I think for a lot of Chelsea fans' liking. Um, but the new the new boss wanted um, wanted someone younger in, and look, it hasn't worked for him. He's, he's signed a lot of players. We're seeing Mudrick being signed for what was it, hundred million euros or something, not even getting onto the bench, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, not even getting into the starting squad, and sometimes not even getting onto the bench. Uh, there's too much talent to deal with. I do think. From a plan perspective, definitely not a financial perspective, for, but from a pre- plan for perspective, Joe Felix has worked out for them. Um, he's been brilliant for them, in fairness to him. Um, and if they did get him in the summer, it would be a big, big coup for them. But um, in terms of even competing for European places, it's the same as we said about Liverpool. The inconsistencies at Chelsea is just too much. And the only difference between the two sides is when Chelsea are picking up wins, it's against smaller teams and they are scraping wins, scraping wins. Um, like without Thiago Silva, we've seen a completely different Chelsea side as well. They're not scoring a lot of goals. Um, and with the attack and wealth that they've got, they really should be scoring a lot more. Um, yeah, it just hasn't worked out for Graham Potter. I think they need to either reevaluate the manager situation now or Todd Bowley needs to stick with Graham Potter. And if he's going to stick with Graham Potter beyond this season or until the end of the season, he needs to stick with him beyond this season. And he needs to let him properly instill his methods into his squad with his own players because they're still playing in Thomas Tuchel's squad despite the signings in, this, in, in the January transfer window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Chelsea are definitely missing a striker. Like they need a striker, an out and out striker. Like Brentford, Fulham, even Aston Villa have better strikers than them. I would say, like you know, better form. And like I'm seeing, like Chelsea especially, I see they're like looking maybe off low players in the summer. Like you know, that's going to be a problem for a new manager. Are they going to be able to spend any money? Or are they going to be stuck with these players that they have? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't know what they're going to be allowed to do in the summer in terms of you know ffp obviously that they are i've I've seen a lot on fabrizio romano's um twitter page um that they are looking to offload quite a few there there's a few names that are already being thrown about for transfers and stuff at at the minute it looks like they're going to lose mason mount at the end of the season i can't imagine abameyang being there i'm looking at you know some of their midfielders some of the defenders as well they already offloaded uh, Jorginho to arsenal um i do think there will be meant many more players to to follow um but in all seriousness connor look you look at some of those signings they've made uh the likes of koulibaly who has been drastically poor abamyang who has been drastically poor they just got it wrong in terms of of recruitment didn't they yeah definitely they didn't get a striker for one that was crazy i know felix is in there but he's not like an out-and-out striker they need a a proper big man i I think they thought they had that in abamyang but he's been awful like he can't even make the bench he's away over to like to Barcelona in their change room like that, that was just crazy to me even their last game against Everton they were brutal like a 38 year old Thiago Silva has been their best player this season yeah um you know Koubali's been brutal uh Fafana's really struggled he's been injured uh the goal like Kappa is okay I, I think I still think he makes a lot of errors like he does make big mistakes they don't score enough goals as Orn said like 29 goals this season like that is Yes, shocking. Like yeah. Leicester have more goals than them, and they're sitting third or fourth bottom of the league. Uh, so recruitment's been brutal. Uh, and with Potter, you know, it is going to be down to the Champions League. He's going to have to win the Champions League to keep his job because if he doesn't, they're really like in the league. They're where are they going to come? Like best seventh, eighth, and that's nowhere near good enough for a side that spent 
how much have they spent? Like three hundred yeah, million, million. Six hundred million since last year. Yeah. So that's just just not good enough. And as I said, the recruitment's been bad and it looks like they're gonna have to offload. And when people know they're gonna have to offload, they're not gonna get the money they want. So yeah. will the money be available to and they're gonna lose players like Mason Mount, and I don't really rate Mason Mount, but even under Tuchel, he was a lot better. And I see he's even been linked to Bayern. Yes. So, you know, which is, it could be just rubbish, but Tuchel obviously rated him. He played all right in that Champions League year. He was probably one of the best players. So, you know, Pot, Pot, a lot of players have like got worse under Potter. Like, let's be honest, you know, he hasn't really improved anyone. So I, th- I think he will lose his job and they will get a better manager in. But as I said, like, we, we don't know the answer to this, but will they have the money to spend? Because if they don't, with the, the squad they have at the minute, I don't know if it's going to, like, the money they spent, they think they should be probably challenging for the league, but I don't see them even getting Champions League football next year with that squad. Mm. Well, look, I, I I always find it mad how, you know, like 12 months ago, we were we probably would have looked at Potter and, and we would have talked him up big time. And, and now that he has gone to a bigger job and it's not necessarily worked out, like, don't get me wrong, boys, I, I, don't, I don't think that Potter's a bad manager. I, I really, really don't. I just feel like Chelsea is a tumultuous work environment. It's it's not good to be honest. I, I didn't think Chelsea was the right job for Potter. Um I actually thought Spurs would have been the next sort of career step for Potter. Um but it, it is it's crazy, absolutely crazy the the season then that the Chelsea are having. Um gonna move on then, boys. Um from twelfth to twentieth, there are only four points uh separating the sides from 12th to 20th so we have crystal palace currently in 12th on 27 uh wolves currently in 13th on 27 leeds up to, up to 14th on 26 everton on 15th with 26 forest 16th with 26 leicester 17th with 25 and then the bottom three in 18th we have west ham on 24 Bournemouth on 19th, they are 24, and Southampton in 20th on 23. So only four points there really separating it. So look, we, we made the joke a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that it seems as though the relegation battle is actually a bit more exciting than what's going on up at the top half of the table this season. So Oren, I'll come to you first then. Looking at those sort of sides that are placed between 12th and 20th then, um, with only four points in between them, it can be the difference of, you know, just just two wins. Um so who are you looking at then there, realistically? It, look, if I was to ask you the, the question dead straight now, who is the one team you can guarantee that will not be playing in the Premier League next season? Who is your go-to for that question? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Um, oh, look, I'm, putting you, I'm putting you on the spot today. <sighs> Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Mm. Yeah. I think South. I think Southampton's going to stay up now. I just think their new managers really instilled something into them, a bit of fight into them again, um, and we're seeing just better results and better performances from them. So even if he gets like picking up a draw in this relegation battle is a massive, massive result. Um, and all these teams really, realistically, need to be taking every game as a cup final. Um, Crystal Palace are going to struggle. In my opinion, without Patrick Vieira, um, I've seen a lot of people. I've seen, especially Vincent Company came out. Obviously, played with Patrick Vieira at Manchester City, um, and he was like, "It's a stupid decision because he'd done a phenomenal job." Um, he was overachieving, as we always said. Um, but yeah, Wolves aren't out of it. We all, like. I'm gonna have to keep coming back to that. Wolves really are not out of a relegation battle. Like every week, we're saying, "Oh yeah, they're performing better." 
the 15 losses. Do you know what I mean? They're not doing yeah. well at all. Yeah. Um, they don't score goals. They don't score goals, yeah. Um, look, it's it's so, so difficult to call um, this relegation battle. And it, it does show uh, it's the most competitive and best league in the world. Uh, because at the end of the season, it realistically could be a fight still between all of these teams. We could be looking realistically at six to eight teams on the last game of the season waiting on results to see who goes down and that is popcorn stuff it's cinema um but yeah i do think bournemouth are going to go down um i think everton will stay up i think sean dice has brought something into everton and and, um, i hope they stay up especially with this um financial fair player thing that they've got in um they kind of need to stay up or they'll be in shaky shaky waters um but yeah i would say bournemouth <laughs> Bournemouth Go as bold as you want here, lad. <laughs> I think West Ham's going down. I think Moyes oh. has overstepped the mark in the last few weeks. I think they should have got rid of him in January when we first fucking talked about it, to be honest. Um and I think West Ham's going down. I think Bournemouth's going down. And uh it wouldn't shock me if Leeds go down. Um because I can't see nothing for us going down. I think Leicester's got a bit too much for them to go down. And I do think that Southampton's going to uh, fight their way out of uh, the current situation they're in. Connor, I'm giving you the same question. If you had one that has to go down, that will not be playing in the Premier League next season, who are you picking? Uh, Bournemouth as well. It will be Bournemouth because like away from home, they're shocking. And they can see so many goals. I know they got a good result against Liverpool, but you know, even when you look through their team, they're they're not great, to be honest. Uh, so I go Bournemouth in that way. But I still I still think Nottingham Forest are going to go down because again, away from home, they're poor. Your boy um, Johnson, he he's injured, so if he's not fit, I think they have no chance. He has seven of their twenty-two goals. Um, I think him and Gibbs White are carrying them. So. I think Nottingham Forest will go down as well. And then the, the last one is so hard. To, I still think Southampton will go down. Even though they do look better under that new manager. I still I still think they're not good enough. They don't score enough goals. They, just, they scored three against the Spurs. But, you know, like, Ward-Prowse has scored their most goals this season. And it's like Shea Adams. Uh, but it is so tough. And a lot of the, like, the games are, like, looking at the fixtures. Like, they all play each other. Kind of, you know, like Palace, yeah. I seen like nine of their next 11, or I think eight of their last 10 are against the teams in that bottom eight or nine. Like, that's that's, that's crazy. So, like, Vieira got basically got screwed because, like, he played a lot of the harder teams and then he never got the opportunity. Yeah. Once they played the teams around them. So, that's probably why a lot of people feel sorry for him. But, like, Orange, like, some of these teams do not score any goals, like Wolves. Like, I thought they were safe a few weeks ago, but, like, they just lost back-to-back. They don't score any goals. You know, even Leeds, it's so hard to to say. I think Leicester will stay up. West Ham, I think, are too strong. I see, like, David Moyes, if apparently if he loses the next game, he could be sacked. But, like, what would be the point of that this late in the season? Who would they get in? I, I don't understand that one, but the three I go with, with is the same as it went with prior Southampton, Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest. Yeah, look, I... I, I do struggle to disagree with both of you, to be honest, lads. Um, I think my my dead cert pick, and I, I have said it sort of from our mid-season review, I'm going to go a wee bit different to you, lads. I'm going to go Leeds. I just, 
I don't see it with Leeds, to be honest, lads. I, I just, I don't see the talent in that squad. They, they have a Bamford who doesn't really score. He's not looked the same player from his injury, which is fair enough. Like, you know, a, a, an injury as serious as what he suffered. You're probably not going to come back the same player. Rodrigo struggles to stay fit as well. I think if, if Rodrigo stayed fit from now to the end of the season, I could look at it and I could go, okay, fair enough. They might stay up, but... I just think with his shaky injury record, you just don't know what sort of lead you're going to get. Um, I didn't personally like the signing of McKenney. I don't think he's been that good, to be honest. I don't really think he's added all that much to that Leeds midfield. And they're just very weak at the back. They just ship a lot of goals. And I think taking aside, you know, some of their home performances where the crowd really do try and push them through the game. They're almost like Everton in that sense. Like, the crowd do push them through games at times. I do just feel like they are very, very poor. And if I was to pick three, my dead cert is Leeds. And the other two, I'm going to go with Southampton and Bournemouth. I think there are the three that will go down. I think... Leicester have the experience to stay up. I think West Ham also have the experience to stay up. Like West, if West Ham went down, Bryce, that has to be one of the best teams to go down, like ever. <laughs> with Especially the, ta- the money they spent. The exactly. Money they spent in the summer. Yeah. Like with the talent that they have within their side, like it would be so weird to see a side like that go down. But I do agree with you though, Oren. Like Moyes, I think they do need to look in another direction next season to be honest and maybe try and get a manager who's a little bit more expansive and, and plays a bit bit more um attacking football really but yeah i'm gonna go Leeds, southampton and brentford i think to go down um i just think they are the the, the weakest teams in the league like, Leeds yes, Connor, well, sorry, missing your by, no, i was just gonna say Leeds as well are missing your by adams apparently he's out for the rest of the year which would be a huge miss because he's been one of their best players as well midfield yeah, so no, he's he, missing, they are he, definitely in big trouble. He is decent, to be fair. He is a decent yeah. player. Uh, right, I'm going to spin this one on its head then for you, lads. So, still sticking with this current crop of teams that we're talking about. Oren, who are you most hopeful for next season out of those current crops of teams? Do you think there's anybody in there that you look at and go, right, they realistically shouldn't be doing as bad as what they're doing, and next season they'll be a force? Um... <laughs> it it's hard to say, Connor, um, because it, it does really depend on the recruitment. Um, I think the obvious one would be Wolves, just because of the caliber of manager that they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and Julian Lapetegui, like he is, he's he's a great manager. He's he's managed some of the biggest clubs in the world. He's managed to be a national team. Um, so if they get the recruitment right, get a, a decent striker in that'll get them. 15 goals, 20 goals in all competitions next season. Um, they could definitely be back where they belong, which is realistically the European places. Um, or fighting for them, at least. Um, I don't know. I, like The likes of Everton, we always talk about Palace being in around that 10th, 11th, 12th, and I think that's just going to be the exact same next season as well. Um, well, it could be it could be worse for them without Zaha. I think Everton's going to be struggling again next season, to be 100% honest. Um, I think Leicester's going to struggle again next season. I'm quite hopeful about Nottingham Forest. I think a full season in the Premier League, this has really been a... If they stay in the Premier League, which I hope they do, and I think they will, um, full season in the Premier League, loads and loads of new players. Steve Cooper's doing a good job. He's been rewarded that big contract. Um, and Look, we've seen it since they've been promoted, the investments there. And... Uh, 
the the appeal of Premier League football really is back. Like we're seeing huge transfers go to Forest. The likes of Renan Lodi and Felipe both came from Atletico Madrid to go to Forest. To go to Forest, do you know what I mean? Like that's that's huge business. Keylor Navas, massive massive business. Shows the lure that the Premier League has in general. It doesn't really matter where the team is. Um, so I would be quite hopeful about Wolves. Now this is again depend on the recruitment. I'd be quite hopeful of Wolves getting back towards the Conference League, Europa League places, and I think Nottingham Forest will either solidify themselves as a mid-table club like Brentford, and then in a couple of years be pushing for that there, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they could struggle again next season. But I I, th- I I see Nottingham Forest like a Brentford that'll go mid-table next season, um, and then with a bit more structure a bit more recruitment some more decent players coming in i think they'll be fighting for uh, european places in the next five years as well yeah fair enough connor same question to you anybody you're hopeful for then for next year uh i think the easy one would be west ham because they have such a strong squad and if they get a proper like a better manager who plays more expansive football they would definitely i think they could claim the table easily like the prior years i think they came seventh and sixth or something like that which is so for them to be sitting 18th on the table is just crazy they're probably going to lose race but i still think with the team they have they're obviously going to get a lot of money for race so if they just obviously spend that well they could be they could be good next season leicester again they're too good but they're going to lose madison they're going to lose tillman so it's will uh brendan rogers still be there next season is the question um and then obviously wolves would like wolves have probably the best manager like he's managed Real Madrid Spain they have some really good players again as Owen says they need a striker but if it was to choose one it would it would be West Ham because I think they have the best players of players like Bowen and Paqueta and Samaka with a better manager in there plays better football I think they could definitely get top eight next season yeah, I think West Ham is, is is one of those sides that probably shouldn't be down there where they are. The one I always go to is is probably just Wolves because it's look we, we've said it so many times on on the podcast that like Lapetegui is just a great manager and you know next season um Kalajic will be back from injury. Now we don't know how he's going to be after the injury. We don't know if he's going to be the same player, but he he was ripping up the Bundesliga last season. So I would be quite hopeful for Wolves West Ham, yeah, definitely. Uh Forest, I understand what you're saying, Oren. I just don't know. I I think recruitment will be a big thing for them in the summer. Um, I know obviously they signed what like twenty two players or twenty three players in total um, over the course of these last two transfer windows, but I do think some of those players will go out the exit door, and I do think that they will look to still try and strengthen in the summer definitely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. The likes of Palace, um, yeah, Palace. Depend on what sort of manager they get. Like they're never a club that spends big money, but they are normally sort of a stalwart mid-table team. Um, I'm interested to see what Everton do next year, definitely, because I know that them very much like Leicester, um, could be allowed to spend money next summer. So again, it'll be interesting to see what sort of re- like recruitment they do and who comes in to to those sides. But I think Wolves is the obvious one for me. But I'm I am actually going to say Leicester. I think because. They are allowed to spend money now next summer. The recruitment department is very good. Like, you know, 
when you think about it, boys, it was, you know, only two years ago that they were winning an FA Cup and it was only two years ago that they were just missing out on, on Champions League qualification. So I think with the right recruitment and if they give Rodgers time to maybe go through another rebuild possibly, um, they could get back up to sort of challenge in those European places. So I think next season for those sorts of clubs will be will be very interesting. And then just to wrap up this episode, lads, um, just like we did with sort of the mid-season review, I'm going to come to you with sort of those, um, some of your favourite moments and, and players from this season. Um, so, Oren, coming to you first of all, uh, who do you think will win the Premier League Player of the Year then for this season? Premier League Player of the Year, um, Bukayo Saka. Bukayo Saka, okay. Connor, who yeah. do you think will be the Premier League Player of the Year? Yeah, I was going to say Saka, 12 goals, 10 assists, and I think Arsenal's going to win the league, so... Yeah, it has to be Saka. I'm going to go Odegaard because Saka is going to be my young player of the year. So that'll, that's my two knocked out there. Oren, young player of the year, who do you think? Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland. Does he still qualify for young player of the year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Erling Haaland's like 22 or something. Yeah, it's under 23, I think. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, all right. Well, yeah, you can't really look past Haaland <laughs> then, can you? <laughs> Hmm. I might have to retract the miles there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take it then all three of us are going to say um, yeah. all in young player of the year. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, uh, probably a silly question then as well. Who's going to end up as the top goal scorer? Um, um, what do you think? Hmm. <laughs> uh, it does have to be Haaland, like, won't it? All right, Paul Drogba. Yeah. Paul Drogba. Wake horse, mate. Favourite moment of the season then so far, lads? Oren, well, what has been your favourite moment of the, of the season? Favourite moment of the season? Um, uh, in the Premier League, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Premier League. I would say my favourite moment, the, the moment that's got me the most pumped would be Anthony's goal in his debut against Arsenal. Um, just, he played well and um, his, his celebration got me so excited. Like like he was grabbing the barge, kissing the barge, throwing his arms up to the fans. Um, yeah, and it was a real turnaround um, for Man United after we had beaten Liverpool as well. Um, so yeah, that's probably my favourite moment. Connor, same to you. Favorite moment of the season? Um, it's probably beating Man City two one. Uh, Rashford's goal because I was like in Berlin and I was beside my mate who's a a City fan, so we got to rub it in his face and it was just an unbelievable, unbelievable game. And I thought from there we probably could have kicked on, maybe challenged for the league, but it was just such a massive moment uh, in the season to beat your rivals as well. Uh, I know it. Or the first goal was you know, a bit dodgy, but it was just, it was a good game as well. And I thought we played really well. So probably would be that. Yeah. I'm going to go. My favorite moment of the season is actually uh, right from the, the start of the season. Um, I don't know why I just find this. I, I always like it when managers show like a bit of personality. And can you remember when uh, Spurs and Chelsea played out a 1-1 draw right at the start of the season and Conte and Tuchel got into a bit of a, a hated exchange with one another. I love yeah. things I got there. Like things I got always get me pumped up and psyched. And it was, That's I always crazy. find it fascinating when, you know, two, like two of the biggest managers in the world can come to blows like 
as severely as as what they did. Like to to me, that shouts that the Premier League is the best league in the world because, like, the managers even like they they all just want to get one over on one another. To me, it seems like the managers in this league just want to be able to go, well, I've beat him max amount of times and I've beat him max amount of times and I definitely have his number because he's never managed to get one over on me. Like, I, I always love those sorts of, like, tactical sort of battles. Like, I always loved when, like, when Fergie and Wenger were, at, like, at each other's throats because they were the two best managers in the league and, and they were having a go at each other. And look, by no means am I saying that Conte and Tuchel were the two best managers in the league at the time, but it was still... I just thought it was mad to see, to be honest. Um, it seems like years ago. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that does, too. Yeah. Like too long ago. Both of them being Saxons. Yeah. It's yeah. mad. <laughs> it, is, it's cra- it is crazy. Like It is crazy. But I, I just love that sort of passion, to be honest. Um, Oren, this might be a question that makes you rack your brain a little bit, but what has been your most deluded piece of punditry that you, you've heard this year, do you think? That I've given. No, no, I, like from pundits, if you know what I mean. I, I wouldn't really class us as pundits. We're just mates on a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably something, anything that Gabby Ogbonhor said. Um, <laughs> uh, one of my favourite ones, though, was that he said that uh, Webster was a better defender and he'd choose him any day over Rafael Varane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel that because it is the most stupid statement I've ever heard in my life from an ass footballer with stupid opinions. <laughs> totally fair enough. <laughs> Connor, same question to you. What's been your probably stupidest punditry that you've heard this season? There's two because it's between either Jimmy Carger writing Martinez off after one game or Sunes, you know, basically saying Casemiro wouldn't do well at United. So I'll probably go for Martinez because he wrote him off after one game. And since then, he's been brilliant this season. Yeah, I uh, to be honest, Connor, the, the character one that was going to be mine too. And to to write a player off after one game, I thought was just absolutely ludicrous. And in honor of our fallen comrade who couldn't make it to the podcast today, um, Oren, who do you think has been the overall boob of the season? I would say McCardle, to be honest. <laughs> um, he just talks that much shit on the podcast and he's always going against our opinions and stuff so yeah my boob of the season's all McCordle Connor same question to you then that, that's, that's a good one lad I was going to go with that <laughs> um, you probably you could give it to VAR we'll just give it to VAR boob of the, boob of the season but yeah. made so many bad decisions and there's it's just getting worse as the weeks go on so I'll give it to VAR it, it, it has been brutal this year. I'm going to go for Chelsea, personally. Um, maybe that's just my vendetta against, against Chelsea. I, I don't know. But I this season, like, it annoys me because if that was United having the season like Chelsea were having, it, like, you would never hear the end of it. It would be everywhere it'd be in, every media outlet. Everybody would be talking about it all the time. But I just can't get over how poor Chelsea have been this season. It, has been absolutely brutal. And you know what? I'm all here for it, so I am. <laughs> that, that's a good one, like. That's a good one because like they won like two games in a row and the media were talking them up. 
there's, there's nothing to talk up anymore because they are shite. <laughs> By the way, I want to make it clear to the viewers at home, McCardle's not dead when you say fallen <laughs> comrade. He's not dead, he's just hung over because he had a formal yesterday. <laughs> well, he's he's a sort of dead of sorts, if, if you will. <laughs> he's down. He's lying he's down there in his bed, Dan, at the minute. So. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll leave him to his hangover. Well, look, lads, thanks very much for jumping on. I think that's probably going to wrap up this episode. Um, as always, please follow us on all of our social media um, handles. It's at Bottom Bins Pod. That is for TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I say it every week, but please make sure and go and follow the TikTok because there will be some good content coming up there now in the next few weeks. And there's already some funny content up on there at the minute that I'm sure any of you who, who do enjoy listening to us will get a good laugh at some of the TikTok videos. You, as always, find us on the Parlay Sports app. That's P-R-L-Y Sports in the Apple App Store. Again, there is more content going to be uploaded up there in the next few weeks as well. And please, I, I don't feel like maybe we don't plug it enough, but check out the bottom bins dot bottombinspod.wordpress it's it's our website that we like to use and as journalists the three of us here um, myself Oren and Connor we do upload articles on there on the regular we do try and get at least one article up a week and I have to be honest boys like not to blow smoke up our own asses or anything but we are three good journalists and we, we do produce some some good articles on there um so please yeah. do go over there and and check them all out because I promise you you, you won't be disappointed um with with some of the articles that we have up there um and as always, folks, keep it bottom bits. Well, just just before just before oh. we finish off, I do want to plug uh, our new second channel, um, the bottom bit shorts. Oh yes, sorry, um, apologies, apologies. No, you're good, you're good. Um, so we tried the bottom bins extra thing, um, but we decided to put that all into our main channel, um, and now we're going with bottom bin shorts, um, which will have all our content from all the best content from our podcasts, um, some clips from it. We'll have the best from our Parlay Sports um, content, and we'll have the best from TikTok, all going on to our second channel, and that is Bottom Bins Shorts. Yeah, so please definitely go and give that a follow. It's just, especially if you don't have any of those um, platforms like Instagram or TikTok or anything, you'll still be able to keep up to date with all of it. It will just be going on to the, the Bottom Bins Shorts um, uh, channel so please go and, and subscribe to that and as always keep a bottom bins folks keep a bottom bins bottom bins